Well, if you would, uh, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. We are actually continuing tonight with the marriage meeting. We're finishing up the marriage meeting week tonight. So, uh, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, let's read a scripture, let's pray then, let's believe God for tonight. 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking about the gifts and the manifestations of the Spirit, the ministries of the Lord, the operation of God, and then he begins to talk about the body of Christ And this all goes together because the gifts and manifestations occur through the body. And uh, in verse 31, the very last verse of 1 Corinthians 12, he said, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. A more excellent way. That's the title of our message tonight. A more excellent way. Or you could say the more excellent way. Now when it comes to uh, marriage. The Bible said, you know, in 1 Corinthians 7, talking about some situations, it said, such shall have trouble because of the flesh. And so husbands and wives have trouble according to how much flesh is in the marriage. The more fleshy people are, the more trouble they're going to have. The more spiritual they are, the less trouble they're going to have. Now, some people don't think that's true. They think that because they have become more spiritual, it's caused problems in their marriage. Because I've become so much more spiritual now than my husband or wife. I have far exceeded them. I mean, they watch TV and I pray. Therefore, I'm on a different plane than them. And now we've got all these troubles and disagreements because I have become more spiritual. (laughs) But there's a big, big problem with that theory. Because the Bible talks about spiritual people being people of great love. Right? And spiritual people have developed very highly in the fruit of the Spirit. Can you name over some fruit of the Spirit for me? Love. Joy. Let you stop right here. Whoa, whoa, stop right here. If you're full of love, you're not full of anger and bitterness. And hmm? And if you're full of, what's the next one? You're not depressed. Yeah, but y'all got to pray for me because I've become so spiritual that I can't live with my husband or wife now and I'm so depressed. (laughs) But I'm so spiritual. (laughs) Something's not jiving there, right? Love, joy, and what? Yes, but I'm just so frustrated with this situation. I'm just so... (laughs) But I'm spiritual. I'm very... (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. I've had it. I'm up to here with Because I've developed so spiritually. Somebody needs to help me now. 
I'm going somewhere now, right? But it's because they're so spiritual. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and what? Gentleness. People say, well, I know I come across abrasive sometimes, but it's my prophetic anointing. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) What about that gentleness? What about that? Hmm? But it's because they're so spiritual. And they've become so much more spiritual than their spouse. Let me tell you something here. Give me... Any day, a dope-smoking, whiskey-drinking, hard-talking, sinning person that'll just look you in the eye and go, yeah, I'm a sinner. Hmm? Then somebody that's full of pride, got all kind of junk in their life, but they quote you four scriptures why it's all right. Did you hear me? You can work with the other guy, right? You can work with them. You can get something done. But this, oh, this false humility and this hyper-spirituality that's not really spirituality. And all this talking about God and talking about the Bible that's just a smoke screen. That is hard to work with. Hmm? Anybody know what I'm talking about now? So no, there's a lot of things that people call spiritual, but you can see it. I mean, if they're spiritual, what are we going to see? Love, right? Joy, peaceful, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith and faithfulness, and meekness, humility, temperance, self-control. That's being spiritual. Not people being able to quote you a bunch of scriptures and tell you how long they prayed last night. And how many visions they've had. And how they can pick up everybody else's faults because they have the gift of discernment. (laughs) How many of you there is a bunch of junk around that people call spirituality and it's not? True spirituality is going to be evidenced by the nature of the, when we say spirituality, what spirit are we talking about? The Holy Spirit. What is His nature? All these things. Love. First one off the bat. Love. But all these others. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's His nature. That's who He is. And when He's manifesting through somebody, you're going to see that. When all this other stuff is manifesting through Him, it's not Him. It's not the Holy Spirit. So it's not spiritual with a capital S. Anybody know what I mean? It might be spiritual, but it ain't Holy Spirit spiritual. There's a lot of stuff that's spiritual that's not God. So let's look at this today. He said, I'm going to show you what? A more excellent way. Now in talking about marriage, you got His way. And her way. Right? And you got my way. (laughs) Yeah. 
and their way, right? And my way. And so what way is the most important? Right here, right here. What? You got his way and her way. And my way and their way, but there's another way. Well, I'm going to have it my way. A lot of times people throw in, bless God. <laughs> Leave God out of that. God ain't touching that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> I'm going to have my way. And people do. And have no idea how much it cost them. Oh, man. Have it getting your way can cost you dearly. His way. Her way. My way. Their way, but there's another way. What is it? Let's quote it. It's the more excellent way. What is the more excellent way? You know, this wasn't written in chapter and verse. So the very next verse here, what does it say? Hmm? All this flows together. He's just introducing this thought. He'd been talking about word of knowledge, word of wisdom, working of miracles, gifts of healings. Right? Special faith. Discerning of spirits. Prophecy. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. Is that important? Is it the most important? Hmm? What's he getting to right here? He's gone through all that and he says, boy, that's all wonderful. He said, and covet earnestly the best of these gifts and manifestations. He said, but hold on. (laughs) I'm going to show you. A more excellent way than all. You know, uh, Brother Smith Wigglesworth, who's wonderfully used of God at the turn of the century, healed all kind of miracles and healings and many, many people being raised from the dead. Somebody was asking him about how he was used in the gifts and what have you. And he made this statement. He said, I don't know that it's better to say, I, you know, I have this gift or I'm used in this gift or that gift or to just stay so full of God, so full of the Holy Ghost that he can manifest himself any way he wants to in you anytime. Well, being full of God, God is love. So that's being full of love. And manifestations of the Spirit are manifestations of God, which are manifestations of, they're all manifestations of love. I've seen this before. I remember uh, back in the early days of my ministry, Phyllis and I went to a particular meeting. It was a house meeting. And uh, there's a man and a woman there, a couple, quite a bit older than us. And uh, he got up and preached a fiery message. And the lady came up behind and began to minister in the gifts of the Spirit. And I mean, I'm talking about word of knowledge. Calling out situations and ministering to people. And very accurate. I mean, very accurate. You could tell. It just, no way she could know some of these things and know what to do in some of these situations. Word of knowledge. And uh, she ministered to some people for a number of minutes and then she began to explain how she ministered and I learned something valuable as she did. She said so many times, you know, people ask, well, how do you get that? How does that work? She said so many times, uh, you know, my husband will be preaching or then I'll be up and sharing or giving a testimony or something. And as I'm looking out over the crowd, my heart just goes out to a certain person. And she said, so many times I don't know why. 
I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what they need. I don't even know them. They're a stranger to me. But my heart just goes out to them. Well, what is that? This is compassion. Remember the Bible talked about Jesus repeatedly was moved with compassion. Well, who is compassion? God is love, right? And see, he was moved. And when he said it was moved, he was moved. He didn't just feel sorry for people. He followed that love and healing power manifested. And she said, so many times my heart will just go out to the person. And I know the Lord wants to minister to them. And I don't know why and I don't know for what. But she said, I just follow that. Now, does that bear witness with this? Huh? Skip down to the end of the chapter. Read this. All this goes together. The end of the 13th chapter, he said, now abides faith, hope, and love. These three. And 14.1, what does the first thing say? Follow. After charity, or we know that means love, divine love, and do what? Desire spiritual gifts or manifestations of the Spirit. Do these go together? Do they work together? Desiring the manifestations of the Spirit and what? Following love. So you can see what she's describing is not just something peculiar to her. It's what the Bible tells us how these things work. See, it's not okay to say, I'm going to fast for 21 days till I get the gift of faith. For why? Well, so I can experience it. That's all about you. Right? Well, I'm going to pray and press in till I get a gift of healing. Until I do the, why? So you can feel tingly? See, people, you know, and this is particularly common with people being young in the Lord and immature. It's all about me having an experience. And that's not what these are about at all. These are about helping somebody. Right? And you simply being available. And God could use you or he could use me or he could use any of us. It's about all of us being available for him to manifest himself through. And the bottom line is somebody getting a need met. Somebody getting help, somebody getting healed, somebody getting straightened out, right? Not about us having an experience. So he said, follow the experience, follow after experiences. No. Well, you have to watch about thinking, well, I'm going to be spiritual. I'm going to be more spiritual than anybody in the church. I'm going to be more spiritual. I'm going to know more word. I'm going to know more about God. I, 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 I. So I'm going to press in and I'm going to fast and I'm going to have experiences. Yeah, and you're going to get weird. I'm telling you, I've seen it too many times. Because that is an open door for the enemy. He is the king of pride. And the king of the big I and the big me. Right? No, but you lay yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, any way you can use me to help somebody. Here I am. I don't care how little it is, if you want to do something big, whatever, I don't care. Here I am, right? If I can say a word of encouragement to somebody, if I can put some money in their hand, if I can lay hands on them to be healed, right? Whatever. And hungry enough that way for the love of God and caring enough about people, you'll begin to see manifestations of the Spirit. You'll know things you have no other way of knowing. But it's not just so you can pop up and down and go, I had a word of knowledge. Whoo, I'm spiritual. 
<laughs> you don't qualify. Right? <laughs> Follow what? Follow after love and desire the spiritual gifts and manifestations. She said, I, I'm looking out over the crowd. My heart will just go out to an individual. And I sense God loves them. Well, we know he loves everybody. But what we're seeing here is that he desires to manifest his love specifically to a person because they're going through something. And uh, she said, a lot of times I'll just ask him, you know, could I pray for you? Could I minister to you? And maybe they'll get up and come down or she'll go back to them. And she said, a lot of times I don't have a clue what they need or what's going on until I touch them. And then when I touch them, a lot of times I know, you know. Well, that's walking by faith too now, isn't it? Because you don't know until you take the first step. Man, I've seen that so many times. There's been times the Lord deal with me, call so-and-so. And you know, I'm busy with other stuff and I'm thinking, well, you know, why? <laughs> I don't I don't really have anything that I feel like I need to tell them. But that's not all there is. To, I mean, there's a lot of stuff we don't know. And I've learned over the years that comes up to me and it keeps coming up to me. Well, I just do it. And so many times you start talking about the weather or something, and as you go, they bring up something, or then you think of something, and then here comes word of knowledge, here comes word of wisdom, here comes manifestation, direction. you got to follow love, and you got to step out in faith, right? And I know that still coming back, though, faith works by what? Love. All comes back to love because it all comes back to God. Because He is... Love. Now, go back to our text, 1 Corinthians twelve thirty one. He said, covet earnestly the best gifts. We should desire these things because this supernatural equipment is the only way things, you know, many things are going to get done. We just don't know enough. We don't have enough. But God does, and he can manifest it through us. But he said, I show to you a more excellent Way And immediately he begins talking about love, the love of God. The enemy is the master of complexities. And uh, he works over time to get you and I to think that something is very complex and very complicated. And, you know, people sometimes, I've seen preachers get together and talk about Yes, that's a very difficult passage, isn't it? No, you're just ignorant. <laughs> right? You know, it's like looking at a complex machine. I mean, you might look at a jet engine on an aircraft and go, hmm, that is one complex piece of machinery. But the people that build them every day, right? Everything looks just familiar to them as the furniture in your house. Right? It's just a matter of knowing or not knowing. Having light or not having light. And so the enemy is always trying to make us think that our situations. And there's an element of pride about this too. If you can believe, well, you know, and I've had people tell me this before. You preach on something and God answered their question. I mean front, back, and center. And then they come up and go, well, yeah, now, Brother Keith, I know all those scriptures. But you don't understand my case. My case is very complicated. 
And people don't like it when, if they have this, all this faith in the complexity of their problem. They don't like it when you make light of their problem. They're like, ah, oh, no, I've seen God heal that a lot of times. Just back up and get ready. They go, oh, no, no, you don't, no, no, no. This is different. The Bible says it's not. Bible said there is no temptation. There ain't no trial. There's no test. Nothing happened to you but such as is common to man. It's a common deal. And the truth is other people have handled it a lot better. (laughs) If you're squawking about it, they just reared back and believed their way through it. Right? Concerning your marriage, concerning your relationships, it is not complicated. Say that out loud. It is not complicated. It is not complex. It's just a matter of light. And when you come back to God's word and you focus on being a doer of that, everything begins to get very simple and very plain. We should say that another two or three times because there are people in this place and you have been listening to the enemy for a long time and you believe that you have the biggest tangled up mess of a marriage and that it is so complex that you're wondering if God could figure it out. (laughs) No, it's very simple actually. It is quite simple. But you, you know, you might say, what are you talking about this? This is the beginning of getting free. Is you gotta believe this thing is easily fixed by God. Hmm? There's not a one of us that has a relationship difficulty that God looks at it and goes, hmm, now that's a mess. Not a, there's not one on the planet that he is baffled by. Not a one. Everybody say it out loud. It's simple. It's not complicated. It's knowing the word and doing the word every day. That's it. You know the word and that's not the end now. You what? I mean, it's easy to sit in the service and take notes. Right? It's when something comes up and it's time to do it. And then you do it the next day, and you do it the next day, and you do it the next day. That's when things change. When you become a habitual doer of the word, that's when your life changes and stays changed. And you begin to come up and up and up and up. Hallelujah. And sometimes in a matter of days, especially months and years, you have a different life. You just, you, it's not, it's not like you're a different person. And like you're married to a different person. Like your house is different. It's like all that junk happened to somebody else. It's like a bad dream from a long time ago. But it's simple. Now the reason I say this is I'm gonna, we're gonna take this back to the word. You've heard us say this. If you were here last year, we said it in the marriage meeting. If you were here before that, you heard us say it then. And you'll hear us say it. The Lord tears is coming next year. Because the word doesn't change. The answer To every question in marriage, every question about, I'm a wife, what should I do about this? I'm a husband, what should I do? What do I do if they do this? What do I do if they don't do that? What if I do if this happens? What if I do if this don't happen? What if I do if this changes? What if I do if they don't change? 
The answer to every question and any issue that could ever arise is answered by Christ and the church. Every one of them. Every one of them. Husband, what should I do? What does Christ do? What does he do with the church? That's what you do. What the bride, you know, the wife, what do I do as a wife? Well, what does the bride of Christ do what it's supposed to do? That's what you do. And what is the New Testament commandment? Love one another as I have loved you. Now, people, you, now, I hope you're not drifting on this. We're going to deal with some questions before this is over with that have been asked during the course of the week. But if you're listening and you're focused, you'll see every one of them is answered. Right? By what? Christ and the church. And people say, well, now, Brother Keith, you know, the Bible said this in divorce over in Exodus. And, you know, Jesus said this over in Matthew 19. And this is over in 1 Corinthians 7. So how does that apply to us today? For the new covenant Christian, there is only one law concerning marriage. One. It is the law of love. That's it. I said, that's it. Now, there's all kind of principles you can learn from previous scriptures. But how many understand in the Gospels, those people weren't born again? And they certainly weren't back in the Old Testament. There's only one law for married people and only one law for uh, individual Christians. The law of love. I see people looking at me a little funny across the place. Well, no ands, ifs, and buts about it. One. One. Go with me to uh, Romans. Let's verify that. Let's nail it down with some scripture. How many laws concerning marriage in the church? Just one. Only one. Romans 13. People say, well, you know, the Old Testament said that... uh, Moses suffered them to write a bill of divorcement. And then they brought that up to Jesus, you know, in Matthew and in other places. And what Jesus was doing was introducing the new covenant. And revealing to them and to us that it's not by law and legalism. It's by the spirit of a thing. Right? And he began to describe them. Just because you write a piece of paper doesn't make what you did right. Hmm? He specifically, he was talking about somebody just getting tired of somebody and divorcing them. Because the question was, for any cause, for any reason. And, of course, that's popular in our courts today, isn't it? What's the phrase? Irreconcilable differences. Incompatible. What does that mean? That basically means any reason. You don't have to specify why? You just say, we can't work it out. And what happens a lot of times is people get their eyes on somebody else. And I'm tired of them. We'll just divorce. I'm tired of fooling with this. You know, the thrill is gone. It was fun while it lasted, but I'm sorry. I'm out of love and I can't make myself love you. <laughs> well, you are clueless as to what love even is. Love's not a feeling. God is love. Right? And um, they said, is it lawful to divorce for any reason? And this is what he talked about. 
You know, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. A lot of you know the scriptures. You can go back and study them in detail. But what he's saying is just because you go through the motion and you got the piece of paper does not make what you did by just leaving this person and going to marry somebody else all right. He said you committed adultery against him. You did it legally, but in your heart that's what you did. Right? And so it's all about the heart. See, he's introducing the new covenant. And nobody yet is born again, even when he's talking to them. But how about now? I said, how about now? Back up to the fifth chapter. You're in Romans, but let's read it on our way over. I'll just uh, read the fifth verse. Hope makes not ashamed, Romans 5, 5. Because what? The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Could you say that in the Old Covenant to everybody? No, they hadn't been born again. You couldn't even say that in Jesus' day with his disciples till he had been risen from the dead. Now, do you and I, though, born again, washed by the blood, do we have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost? That doesn't mean you always feel lovely and wonderful. Didn't say the love of God in your emotions, in your flesh, in your mind. What did it say? In your heart, in your inside. In the core of your being. Which means we are never to believe we can't walk in love with that person. Because we have been given the very love of God inside us. And it's not about feeling. It's about a decision. How many know you can walk in love with somebody no matter how you feel? That's what walking in love is about. It's like faith. People don't understand. They think, well, you know, I'm usually a real strong faith person and I don't know why this is happening to me because I'm a faith person. Not right now. You're not, honey. (laughs) You're a little whiny baby person. And that ain't faith. Faith does not talk like that and act like that and respond like that. And people feel, you know, they don't understand. It's when you don't look it and feel it. That's when it's time to let your faith shine, right? Right now. You don't feel it. And the same thing is true with love. People think, well, you know, if I'm full of love and I got love in me, I'll just look at people and I'll go, oh, <laughs> oh, man, I love you. Yes, I do. And, and then if something happens and they do you wrong and you have some ugly feelings, you go, oh, Lord, what's wrong with me? And boy, you don't ask that question because the devil will come and he will help you out. <laughs> He'll hop on your shoulder and go, I don't know if you're even saved. Feeling like that? Thoughts like that? No! It's when the thoughts are like that. Now it's time to walk in love. You feel like smacking them. (laughs) You feel like giving them a piece of your mind. You feel like telling them where to get off. But you don't. You don't act like you feel. Hmm? The Bible said put on the new man. And you hear people, Christians, you know, tongue talkers. They say, well, yeah, now, I don't care. I am not a put on. Now, if I don't like you, I'm not going to act like I do. I'm just real. Yeah, real carnal. You feel it, you act like you feel. That's what Joe Center down the road does too. Right? No, but you got the love of God. 
shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Can you walk in love any day with anybody, including you know who? (laughs) Can you? Come on now, can you? Yeah, you can. Can you love them any day in any situation, no matter how you feel? You can. It's a decision. Don't say you can't. It's a decision. You have to decide, I'm going to love them. Whether they like me more, whether they like me less, whether they ever do anything for me or not, I'm going to love them. And the wonderful thing is, there is no defense against it. (laughs) Who can keep you from loving them? There is no, the devil has no defense. This weapon is so powerful. That's why this passage ends up by saying, love never, 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 never. Why? Because the devil ain't got nothing to block it. Nothing he can do. People can get mad at you and they can cuss you and they can lay awake at night and think about how they'd like to hurt you and you can just love them. And then a thing they can do about it. Oh, come on now. Come on now. And your husband can act like a heathen. And just so inconsiderate and so mean and so ill. What can you do? I can lay a frying pan upside his head. (laughs) Yeah, you could. And when you get out of jail, you know, you can come back and listen to these tapes again and start over. Or, (laughs) or, right? There's something else. What is there? There is something that they cannot overwhelm you or overcome you or conquer you with. You can love them. I don't mean a bunch of sarcastic words. I mean the real thing. You can just love them and believe in them no matter what they do. Grandmas do it with their grandchildren. Huh? Don't they? If they do that same thing with their husband, look out. Let's just pause there for a moment. (laughs) Mamas do it with their kids. If they do with their husband what they do with their kids, they'd have heaven on earth. Same thing with daddies, grandpas. Okay, now that we've had that much fun, let's go back to our 1 Corinthians 13. Glory be to God. Tell me how we answer every question relative to marriage and husbands and wives. Christ and the church. Tell me again. Are there any issues that come up that you can't answer with that? No. Are there some complicated, complex situations, you know, that are really, really hard in marriages? No, they're just people that have believed their own lies so long till they're confused themselves. Did you hear me? But it was simple when it started, and it's still simple. Right? It's just a matter of knowing the Word, and what? Doing the Word, and then what do you do tomorrow? You keep on doing the Word, right? You keep on doing it every day till it becomes a lifestyle, and then your problem goes away. And it happens for everybody, everywhere, every time. Christ in the church. And what law do we have governing marriage in the New Testament? 
there's only one law. The law of love. Now this is the great love chapter, isn't it? First Corinthians 13. Would you mind camping in here some tonight? Hmm? We're commanded to love each other. And here, man, the Spirit of God just breaks down in bite-sized forms the great love of God and teaches us how love acts and reacts and speaks and does. Is this important? Should we listen to this again and again and again? So we asked you to read this at least uh, four or five times this week, right? First Corinthians 13, because it's so important. And it's not what you know. If you can quote it perfectly in 12 translations, it means not a thing. Unless you what? Do it. Unless you put it into practice. Let's remind ourselves and stir ourselves up about 1 Corinthians 13 and walking in love. Because it is the thing that never fails. And it is what we can always do with our spouse that's going to bring the right result. What if we all walked in love with each other all the time about everything? Hmm? What'd be going on at the divorce court? <laughs> Nothing is right. <laughs> What'd be going on in your house? Heaven on earth. Right? Yeah. Phyllis, would you come and help me with this? This is a marriage thing, and marriage is more than just one side. I'd like for you, if you would, to assist me. Didn't Phyllis do a fine job this week already? I mean, the Lord is. I wasn't at the ladies' meeting. I heard about it, but I heard sounded good to me. I heard the message the other day that she spoke. I thought it was just outstanding. Let's talk about First Corinthians. Are you in First Corinthians thirteen? Let's talk about putting this into practice. And then, as time permits, we may touch on a few questions. We'll see. If we really get a hold of this, really the questions are already answered. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So no amount of praying in tongues is more important than walking in love. Is that right? Though I have uh, prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. So which is more important? Having all kind of knowledge and understanding of the word or being full of love? Which is more important? Having a lot of faith or walking in love? Walking in love is more important. He went on to say, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me Nothing, not a thing. Giving big gifts, you can give all kind of money to the kingdom and outreaches. And if you don't walk in love, which is more important? Walking in love. Now here he begins to break it down for us. Here is love. Here's what it is. Here's what it does. Love suffers long and is kind. Now is he instructing us what to do? What does love do? Another translation say it puts up with, endures long, and is very patient and very kind. What do you do if you're frustrated with your spouse? Huh? 
What if you've told them 900 times? It's complicated, right? What? What do you do? You put up with how long? Long. And you're very patient. And you're not. Now he threw this in. This is important. Not just put up with. And I have put up with this. And I have put up with this. And I have put up with this. Know what? And also what? Kind. 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 Now husbands. This applies to both of us. But now listen husbands. Our example is Jesus. Right? Do you suppose that when the master looks at his bride, he sees some imperfections? Yes. I'm talking about where we are right now. Yeah, I mean, he's a faith person for sure, but could he find, <laughs> could he find anything that we're not up to standard right this minute? Hmm? And how long does he bear with us? I mean, on and on and on. And somebody can flop around and mess up and waste 20 years and run back to the Lord. You know what he'll say? You'll get it. You'll get it. I'll stay with you. I've prayed for you. (laughs) That your faith not fail. Right? I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We're going to get this. How many understand? Every wife ought to have a man like that. Every son and every daughter ought to have a daddy like that. Right? That just, when's daddy going to run out of patience and blow a fuse and write us all off? Never. Ain't going to happen. And nobody loses any sleep wondering about it. Right? Of course, the word is to the wife as well. What else? Are you reading with me? What does love do? It envies not, envies not. Another translation says, it does not begrudge another success. Does not begrudge another success. We should be, as husbands and wives, we should be each other's biggest fan. Right? And never threatened by their success. Why would we be? Because their success is our success. Right? How do you separate it? But you see it all the time. Oh, you see it all the time. One of them make a little more money than the other one. One of them get a little more attention than the other one. And sometimes it's not said, but it's just quiet when you get home. That's ugly. I said, that's ugly. Afraid somebody's going to steal your thunder a little bit. Or they may pay more attention to her than me. Well, you know, now that she started doing this, now that she's involved, the people don't look at me as much. Now that he's doing it, they don't pay as much attention to me. Well, that's ungodly. That's devilish. Love is going to be glad about the other person's success. Hmm? Now, y'all are with me, right? Does this apply to anything? Oh, this is huge all the time. I don't know how many times I have seen both men and women. Let's say they went to a function of some kind and they acknowledged one of them. 
and didn't acknowledge the other. Hmm? I've seen that happen all the time. Maybe it was they acknowledged the man, didn't acknowledge his wife. They said something about the woman, they didn't say anything about her husband. Have you ever seen people get miffed over that? Is it okay to get miffed over that? No, it is childish. And it is not this. Love does what? It envies not. Somebody said, well, I'm a part of them too. You know, heard people say, well, I have a name. And it's not so-and-so's husband. I have a name and it's not so-and-so's wife. Yeah, you have a problem. What if they didn't acknowledge you? Big deal. They acknowledged your man. They acknowledged your wife. You ought to be glad to be over there. Yeah, yeah. That's my woman. That's my man. If you get mad about it, it shows you don't love them like you say you do. You love yourself. You want all the attention. It is ugly. Do you see it, friends? Oh, it's ugly. You ain't got to be acknowledged all the time. In fact, when you learn some things about developing in spiritual things, you'll appreciate the opportunity. To put your flesh under. Amen. You will. It'll remind you. And the more you grow, you'll get to where stuff don't bother you. Stuff don't bother you. It just don't bother you. It don't bother you. And then something come up and you have a little twinge. And you go, huh, what's that? <laughs> and you realize, i got to fix that. Uh-uh, no, no, no. I'm not letting that. Uh-uh, no. And that's how you grow. Because you don't yield to it. You put it under. And you rejoice in them. What else does love do? Hmm? Read that one for me, Phil. What's that one? I've got the amplified here. Go ahead. All right. It's not boastful or vainglorious and does not display itself haughtily. Yep. Another one says, uh, makes no parade of itself. Doesn't put on airs. Isn't anxious to impress. You know, so many times that's why people say things they should not say to their spouse and about their spouse in front of other people because they're trying to impress them some way. And they crack jokes about each other and just don't show the respect that they should. Another translation of that says it doesn't cherish inflated ideas of its own importance. (laughs) Doesn't cherish inflated ideas of its own importance is not arrogant or conceited. And it's about that, I mean, that goes with the first thing that he just got through saying. I mean, uh, about envying somebody else's acknowledgement or being noticed or being used. Ah, help us with this, Lord. It's a matter of not being bothered by being in the background. Right? And as we serve God together, there should be times when either one of us During different times of our life, one of us is in the background and the other one is noticed and promoted and blessed. Well, if it wasn't, 98% of the time when we go through any mall or any airport and everybody sees you on TV and they say, Hey, Keith, and they go like that, then I'd cry all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they've, you know, pushed Phyllis aside to talk to me and like she's not even there. Well, if she gets upset. Yeah. And get your feelings hurt. What's going on? 
ugly, stinking, P-R-I-D-E. Yeah. Or see, something else can happen. Then, you know, if she and I has enough trouble about it, then I can feel like I have to acknowledge her and make sure everybody else does every time something comes up. And I'm walking on eggshells. Have you ever seen people actually be rude to folk doing that? Somebody come up, you know, and just talking to me. And I say, well, now, hold on. Wait just a minute. This is my wife. She's important, too. Did that change the complexion of the situation? Did it change the feeling of the thing? And why am I doing that? Am I being led by the Spirit to do that? Then it doesn't mean anything. Hmm? I'm doing it to try to keep from having trouble. That's not okay. Right? But I've seen it through the years. You know, in the first uh, part of our ministry particularly, nobody knew fellas. And a lot of people saw me. And, uh, but I have seen, you know, her do this. I have seen her be selfless and just be there to back me. And more and more different situations and times, God will acknowledge her. I didn't say me. I said, God, by using her in a miracle, by using her in a word, by using her in wisdom to do a job. Well, see, that's something no husband could give his wife. Right? And then when it happens, I can step up and go, man, that's God. Glory to God. I mean, uh, that's obvious. That's God. And I'm backing it. And it means something because it's from me. But it mostly means something because God did it. Now, that's real. I don't have to try to manufacture it. She don't have to try to manufacture it. But as long as you are clamoring, they are going to acknowledge me too. They're going to acknowledge my gift. Then you are promoting yourself. And you're putting yourself forward. And you're in God's way. And it's not going to happen. Well, the same thing happened with Miss Gloria. Brother Kenneth was known by everyone, you know, and her motivation for even ever getting into the ministry was the love motivation. Yeah. Totally love. Most people don't understand that. But the only reason that Miss Gloria even started speaking was because Brother Kenneth was doing it so much that he was just totally run down and totally without. And uh, so she started speaking some to help him to keep him from being so run mm-hmm. down all the time. And uh, that's how she got started. And that's. Part of the reason why she's where she is today. She did not want to speak. At all. She was very uncomfortable in front of people. She had no desire to. In fact, you know, had said, no, I don't want to. And uh, they were traveling worldwide. And uh, the Lord had told Brother Kenneth to go on daily on the broadcast. And he thought, Lord, I'll die. I don't know how I can do it. Of course, he and Miss Gloria talked about it. And eventually... Even though she had such an apprehension about it, she said, I'll get on there with you. I'll help you. Because she loved him. Yes. And she loved God. Can you see this? And how God has used her. My, my, my. What he's done with her in ministry. But like Phyllis said, that's how it started. That's how it started. Not thinking about my ministry. How am I going to get my ministry out? No. But love. Trying to help somebody. What's next? Love doesn't behave itself unseemly. Another one says, is never rude, unmannerly, 
or indecent. Rudeness is a, is a manifestation of, of selfishness. Not, you know, a lot of things that people do being rude, they do not call it being rude. They'd never, if it was pointed out to them, lots of them would think, oh, I, I didn't mean anything by that. But it's just as rude as could be. And the reason being, simply not aware of other people around you. So aware of themselves. And we live in a world that is full of people that live in their own world. Have you noticed it? On the highway. In the shopping places. Right? People will just come through and they'll shove people out of the way. And they'll just blare and cut and everything else. And... You can tell a lot of times they're not even aware that they knocked somebody half down and cut somebody off and kicked over the flower pot. They are so oblivious to everybody else because all they see is what I'm thinking about, what I want, what I want to do. But love is aware of everybody else around me. Isn't it? We saw that in... uh churches the most amazing thing we'd go to churches with brother Hagen, and people would stand out line or even brother copeland here and they'd stand out in line for the longest periods of time and they're these godly real spiritual like what keith was saying at the beginning um what would you call hyper spiritual but it's not hyper spiritual and uh they'd stand out there in line and give their testimonies and preach and quote half the bible and then when the doors open It was bad news. We have seen people with broke toes. I actually wound up with a broke toe one night. And uh, somebody uh, beat somebody up with an umbrella. And It happened. Oh, it happened. We got to see a lot of it. But now when they got in there, they were on the front row and they were all spiritual. You know, God, you know, use me. Do this with me. But the rudeness came before, you know, and it doesn't happen that way. Because if you want spiritual manifestations, you have to follow after love. It works with that. Uh, the next one, what does it say? Seeks not her own. Boy, that's a biggie, isn't it? Another one says, doesn't insist on its own way or rights is not self-seeking. So many times in marriage difficulties, if there's counseling, that's the first thing. People say, well, you know, they don't care what I need or what I want. And I have needs, and they're legitimate, and I need this, and I need that. Well, that's violating this principle. And it is, the nature of the flesh is selfishness. All you got to do to be selfish is just wake up in the morning and open your eyes, and it's right there. There's something else inside you, though. The love of God shed abroad in your heart, right? And you can let that dominate you instead. Now, We had, in fact, maybe we can just incorporate some of these questions while we're doing this. We had more than one question about um, sex and relations. And uh, more than one question dealt with uh, one person saying, well, you know, they won't do certain things and I don't want to. And, And another two or three talked about difference in desire. Well, they want to have relations a lot. Another person didn't want to have relations much or hardly ever. And uh, what you usually see the focus on is, let's say the person said, I want them to do these certain things. They don't want to do them. How can I get them to do them? (laughs) 
I want to have sex, you know, five times a week and they don't. How can I get them to do it? Is that this scripture? What's the focus? Me getting what I want. I know uh, in counseling one time this uh, lady was really getting adamant about it. She said, well, I want him to uh, love me and I want him to be tender with me and I want him to take time with me and, and I want him to care about my needs. And I said, no, you don't. She said, I most certainly do. I said, no, you don't. She said, well, I know I do. I said, no, no, not really. No, you don't. How many know sometimes people need to be jarred a little bit? They are so entrenched in something, and that's all they can see. I said, no, you don't. I said, you want him to want to. You don't just want him to do it. It's okay with me if they just do it. No, it's not okay. That ain't love. No. Is it? Is love going to want to try to coerce somebody to do something that they are uncomfortable with? And that they don't enjoy? No. It's not. Anymore in today's society, though, things that you have to watch is um, too many people seeing too many things that are not even godly. And... Um, the TV and the stuff, I mean, just last night, Keith and I were watching the news, and we flipped a channel, and I said, how can they put stuff like that on TV, you know? And you just flip past it. You think, what if a child was sitting right here, you know? And, and what do you do? But a lot of times, the reason some people have some desires is because they've been feeding wrong desires, and the flesh is never satisfied. You can continue on and continue on to try to satisfy the flesh, but if you continue with wrong desires, you'll never satisfy them. So that's part of some of the desires maybe that some of them are it's having. It's true. It's true. So what you feed on, whatever you feed is going to affect your desire. And if one person is feeding on some stuff they shouldn't be and stirring up their desire in the wrong way, then it's going to cause uh, unequal desire. So love does not seek its own. Let's look at another one of these questions. Um, Because it deals with the same area. There were several questions about sex. Is it okay to talk about sex? In church? Well, it'd be a little late when we've already started. But uh, does the Bible talk about sex? Oh, absolutely it does. The thing is, see, the enemy through perversion in the world has tried to make sex dirty. That's right. Everything's dirty and dirty, you know. We don't talk about that. And, and that's what he was after all the time. And so people have desires, but they feel like it'd be dirty for them to ever be fulfilled. And so they are in this torment and this confusion. And no, no, there's nothing dirty or wrong about sex between husbands and wives. Right? Right. Now, this person says, what am I supposed to think about during sex? Read what I wrote. What's that? The grocery list and shopping and cleaning and the kids. I don't think that's right. No. <laughs> well, that's what I wrote, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Cleaning the house, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Well, if I could offer something here. I think, I think ideally, you should be thinking about what you're doing. 
Yes, Lord Keith. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like you put down here, according to 1 Corinthians 7, the Bible talks about the man should think about how he can please his wife. And the wife should think about how she can please her husband. And the scripture talked about due benevolence. You should really be thinking about taking care of the other person. Right? That should be your focus. And it's wrong to just go through the motion. And to just, you know, well, we'll just let them have sex with me. That's, oh, that's so wrong. And if you've been having problems with that, get in the world. You know, did you read Song of Solomon? This week, were they, uh, was there no pleasure described in those passages? I mean, they didn't look like they were having to try to think about, you know, the grocery list or whatever. I mean, <laughs> it's obvious. And, you know, uh, you look at uh, Abraham and Sarah. You remember reading about them? When Sarah was, what, uh, 90 years old? And uh, the angel of the Lord told her that she was going to conceive. And she said, you know, me 90 and Abraham is uh, 99 and we're going to have pleasure. What'd she say? Pleasure. And this is the woman talking to now. Right. Right? What? Pleasure. That's what it's supposed to be. And if it's not, then there's wrong thinking. And there's baggage that people have brought from their past and and all kind of stuff. So... um, you said something that the Lord told you one time. Was it about praise? Praise. I think about that often. When I think about people asking me that question, I know it matches real well. Um, he said that the Lord told him one time when uh, he was in a time of praise to the Lord that um, if um, he wasn't getting out of it, not to ass- getting anything out of it, not to assume that the Lord was getting anything out mm-hmm. of it either. Yeah, um, I was thinking about the phrase, the sacrifice of praise. You've heard people talk about that. Well, you know, maybe you don't feel like praising the Lord, but just come and drag yourself in. Make yourself. And just go, okay, here, Lord. I'm going to give you the sacrifice. (laughs) Praise you, praise you, praise you. Okay, there, I did it. And the Lord said to me, he said, uh, if you're not enjoying it, don't assume I'm getting much out of it. And uh, like you're saying, that holds true for husbands and wives. That's right. And you'll find that the more you focus on bringing pleasure to your spouse, that you're sowing. And what happens when you sow? You reap. And smart people know this. That's right. Right? Uh, What else did we have here? The grocery list. (laughs) If you got more to share about that, go, go ahead. (laughs) well I just when I read the question it says what is a woman supposed to think about during sex and I thought what do you think you're supposed to think about during sex you know because the only reason that a woman would ask that question two reasons number one she's not enjoying it she's trying to endure it and number two uh, he doesn't care whether she's enjoying it or not so it's a double thing you know and uh, it's not just her fault if he was doing what he was supposed to do then she wouldn't have to be asking the question about what she was supposed to be thinking about she'd be thinking about what she was thinking about (laughs) both of them both parties are at fault 
Because like you say, the husband or wife, uh, you should be monitoring the other person and aware of what's going on with them, right? And if they are enjoying or are not. or And so uh, both of these are love failure. When people just get into seeking their own and that's all they're interested in, well, then you're going to have problems. That's what the scripture said, such shall have trouble because of the flesh. Well, then the other question is, well, if the person wants to do it ten times more than I want to do it, well, the same thing applies because if that person's not wanting to do it, that means you're not focused on them. All you're focused on is you, you know, and uh, focused on sex instead instead of them. them. Exactly. And so uh, we I like to refer back to some things that we told the youth, you know, it's a. We talked about love and lust, and we talked about the difference between love and lust. Lust thinks about what it's going to do for you. Love thinks about what you're going to do for them. And it's the exact same thing in a marriage. You don't call it lust, but it's sex, you know, and uh, it's thinking about what it's going to do for you, but you're not thinking about what you're going to do for them. But love thinks about how am I going to bless them? What's this going to do for them? Are they going to enjoy this? You know, and so if they are enjoying it, you don't have to coerce them to do it. When you enjoy something, what happens? You want to do it. So you don't have to coerce somebody to do it. That brings up, there's another question here I think we'll go to and include this one in it. It may sound like a diversion, but it deals with the very same issues. This one person talks about that they like to keep things real clean and neat, and they'll go through and pick up things and throw them away. And then the husband will come behind them and take it out of the trash can and, uh, you know, that they won't keep it. And uh, both of these remind me of uh, communication. How many believe we ought to be able to sit down and talk about things? Instead of just bumping along year after year with something that is a thorn in each other's side, we should be able to talk about it. And this patience thing comes in too. Yes. Right? Well, I don't think they ought to do that. Well, I'm sure there's something they think you ought not do too. Right? But we are not to try to force the other one to, you know, to do that particular thing. I know uh, I grew up relatively poor and uh, working on old cars and stuff. We, uh, we rarely bought a new car part. You fixed what you had. You know, you'd weld it or braze it or rebuild it or tie it up with some wire or whatever you had to do, you know. But, but, you know, you usually didn't have the money to go and buy a new part. And uh, Phyllis and I had been married a few years, and and we'd gone to Bible school, and I had got my first Corvette. I always liked Corvettes. And uh, we picked up one for $3,000, I think it was, and it was like you might think a $3,000 Corvette would be. It was, It had been vandalized, and it had been wrecked, and I mean... There's a story there. The Lord really blessed me with it before it was over with. But I had a bunch of parts left over once that car was done. And I had some parts from a pickup. And I had some parts from some other stuff. And we moved from one apartment to a better apartment. And, of course, I took my parts with me. (laughs) And then we moved to another better apartment. And, of course, I took my parts. And then we moved to our first rental house. We were leaving the rental house going into our first house. Okay, so I took my parts. To the first rental house. And now we're moving to our first house that we own. That we're buying. And we're so excited about it. 
and we're getting ready to move and packing stuff. And of course, I began packing my old greasy parts. And Phyllis said, you're not taking those, are you? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, these are good parts. I mean, man, if you had to go to the salvage yard, you know, and buy some of this stuff, it's expensive. And she says, well, uh, do they fit what we've got? (laughs) Well, no, no, you know. But that ain't the point. I mean, if you had to go to the salvage yard, right? Now, let let me stop right here. If she had been pushy and rude about it, I probably wouldn't have responded very well. If she said, now, no, you are not. You are not taking those nasty, greasy parts to our new house. Well, (laughs) that wouldn't have been all right. You know what I'm talking about? But she didn't do that. But see, we've been in the ministry a few years at this point, and she's accumulated a lot of wisdom. And she said, uh, she said, do those fit, you know, in a nice way? Do those fit our cars? Well, no. She said, I, I thought you was believing for a new Corvette. I said, oh, yeah, we are. She said, well, would you put those parts on your new Corvette? I said, well, that's, you know, I think about it. That's good enough. (laughs) And she is a wise woman. She went away. That's enough said. And I'm still loading them up, you know, because these parts, you know, you. (laughs) And, you know, if I don't want it to, she wouldn't have said nothing else about it. That would have been the end of it. But, uh. While I'm doing that, the Lord began to deal with me. He said, you know, she's right, you know. Of course, you don't want to hear that too much. (laughs) And what he began to show me is I had some remnant of poverty spirit. Because it's all about what if I might need. And see, that is something that will choke your faith. But at the same time, I wasn't ready to give them up two houses ago. Are you with me now? It wouldn't have been a good time to talk to me about it. And it certainly wouldn't have been a good thing to push. But on this time, we talked. Everybody say talked. Didn't say we screamed at each other. She didn't tell me what I had to do and none of that stuff. We talked. Everybody say talk. Should husbands and wives be able to do this? Talk about something intelligently. And, uh, you know, I came back later and I said, you know, you're right. I'm going to throw those things away. I think I danced around the garage. Yeah, maybe. you may have. <laughs> <laughs> but it was not something my wife made me do. And you hear guys talk about it. Well, you know, my wife wouldn't let me do this or she made me do that. Well, that ain't right according to the Bible. No, it's not. Right? Amen. And that wasn't the case. But uh, I saw it, and I thought, no, you know, that's poverty spirit. And I went and threw them away, and then I had to drive away real fast before I went back and picked them up. Because, you know, you get used to stuff, 
But what I'm saying this too is that lasted over a period of years that we were moving from place to place and I'm hauling my parts. And whether it's your husband or whether it's your wife, it may take them a little while to see something. Or to grow to a place and when people get into this, no, you're going to do this and you're going to do it today and start pushing something and force. That's when you have the big problems. That's right. And when people just quit trying to work anything out and they can't even talk about it. Well, we can't even talk about it anymore. That ain't right. Somebody needs to pray and walk in love and get to where you can talk about this. I mean, there is somebody said, what, Brother Keith, what is a normal frequency of sexual relations in marriage? There is not a normal because there are no two people alike. Right? And there are no, everybody's at a different place in their life and do not compare yourself with anybody else. How many believe husbands and wives are to be able to talk about these things? Between their self, each other, not people outside. This is private. Between each other. This is not, you don't go, ladies, you don't go and sit with your girlfriend and talk about this. Hmm? Guys, you do not talk to your buddies on the job about this. This is private stuff. To talk about it with your friends is unfaithfulness. It is unfaithfulness to your spouse. Don't do it. What's the next question? Um, you were throwing away trash, so. This is a good one here, I think. Cause there were more than one that touched on this. One says, we rushed into getting married. We didn't really know each other. We weren't really in love. We weren't trying to be led. Now what do we do? Another uh, person says, we weren't Christians when we got married. We got married because the, the woman was pregnant. Is God in covenant with us? Is our marriage honored before God? Does anybody know the answer to that? Yes. Well, we're married, but we, we weren't too sure about what was going on. But now we're married. Exactly. You're married. You're married. Right? First right? Corinthians 7 goes into detail about this, doesn't it? Even if one party is absolutely an unbeliever. You know, I know Phyllis and I, when we got married, we were very young and knew very little about God. And uh, I don't think, were you born again before we got married? No, I remember when you tarried, I got born again. That's right. You got born again after we got married. While you were tarrying. And uh, while I was tarrying. <laughs> And I got filled with the Holy Ghost, too. Before I did, that's right. (laughs) While I was still (laughs) tearing. But uh, we have, and we we had a lot of trouble for years. I mean, you know, we could have divorced. We thought about it. But at this point in our marriage... There is no question in our mind at all that God put us together. Are you with me now? But see, looking back at some of those things, you could have questioned it. And um, that's what the enemy does. First time you start having some trouble. I mean, this is not just with one couple or two. First time you start having some trouble. And this is not just with marriage, just with anything. He comes, the enemy will come and sit on your shoulder and go, see there, see there, you missed it. You weren't supposed to marry them. They're the wrong one. You know why? If you believe that, there is no way you can have faith to make it. That's why he always goes for that. 
You come to this church. Something rub you the wrong way. Something go a little wrong. The first thing the enemy will come and do. Anybody know what it is? Ah, you're not supposed to be there. Now you missed it. You ain't supposed to be there. Why? Because if you, uh, like Brother Bosworth used to always say, faith begins where the will of God is known. If you are questioned, it's like healing. Right? Why do you think it's so popular for people to believe? Well, we don't know if it's the will of God. Why does that happen to be so popular? Because it is the one thing that absolutely destroys all faith. You cannot have faith for healing if you're questioning if it's God's will to be healed or not. So no, friends, believe God's bigger than you. That's right. Right? Believe he knew what you didn't know. That's right. Believe he knew your end from the beginning. Yes. Right? Believe that he knew where you'd be sitting tonight. Yes. And you knew where your heart would be and where it's going. And in spite of your ignorance, and in spite of all your flesh and all your mistakes, he had a path for you, right? And he hooked you together, and forget all the other stuff, we're married. Come on, somebody say it, we're married. We're married. So now what? We're married, right? We're going to make it? Yeah, and we're going to go over big, we're going to go over good. You got something? Yeah, back on the other verse, um, we might want to give them a scripture on that. It's talking about here in 1 Corinthians, somebody asking about how long you should go without having sex or how often you should have sex, because some of them said they'd been years and years and years without having it. Now, that's not good. And that's not good. (laughs) Well, I think it started out that the wife didn't want to, and then when she wanted to, he didn't want to, and so now it's been years and stuff. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, it says, Defraud ye not... One another, except it be with consent for time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again, lest Satan tempt you for your inconsistencies. In other words, if you don't get back together again, there's an open door for the devil to be able to attack you in that area and make someone else look better to you or another situation look better to you. So uh, that's scripture in regards to that. So it's not okay to go years and years and years and not have sexual relations with your spouse, whatever your reasoning is, if you're married. Yeah, people make all kind of excuses and reasons why, but the word is the word. And there are no footnotes down here that give exemptions, right? This is it. And how many, we were talking about that earlier. People said, well, no, you don't understand. Our situation is more complex, complicated. No, you don't understand. This is right for every case. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what your situation in life is. I don't care what your past is. Makes no difference. This is right. Husbands and wives have a responsibility to take care of each other. That goes back to 1 right. Corinthians 7, how you can please your wife or how you can please your exactly. husband. And even right here it says that the husband doesn't have power over his body. The wife doesn't have power over her body. But that you should come together so that you don't yep. fall apart. Yep. So you don't fall apart. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Or come untied. We'll do that too. Right. Um, This person asks, after being married and knowing someone for a great length of time, they're talking about many decades, 30, 40, 50 years, and now their spouse is going home to be with the Lord, what chance do you have at having a second great marriage because you knew that person so well, you're with them so long? Uh, You know, Paul talked about that if you are married, don't try to get unmarried, right? And if you uh, are free from a spouse, don't look for one. Don't try to get one. 
But he comes back to talking about this, about not having the need. Is that right? Let's read that so you'll make sure that I'm, you know, what? I'm, 1 Corinthians 7, are you there? So you know what we're talking about. He said, uh, verse uh, 2, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, let everyone have her own husband. So that's one of the big reasons why we're married. Now see, you've got some whole denominations that'll teach that marriage is just for procreation. I've read some of the most absurd stuff in some journals of, if I called their name, you'd know major denominations in the country and world today. And one of their leaders was saying, you know, you shouldn't even look on your wife with lust. And one said, the Holy Ghost leaves the bedroom when husband and wife have relations. That's absurd. That's ignorant. No. What did the Bible say right here? Remember the Bible now. Every man have a wife and the wife have her own husband. Why? Why did he say here? He didn't even mention procreation here, did he? To what? To avoid fornication. And verse 3, let the husband render to the wife due benevolence. And likewise also the wife to the husband. Everybody say, due benevolence. Uh, One translation says, let them satisfy each other. The wife has not power of her own body, but the husband. Likewise, the husband has not power of his own body, but the wife. Now, uh, he said in verse 7, I would that all men were even as myself. But every man has his proper gift of God, one after this man, another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows. So here is the answer to the question. Right? They've asked about another marriage after their spouse has already gone home to be with the Lord. Or unmarried or and widows. Both categories. Whether you were divorced or widowed. Or it covers all these areas. It's good for them if they abide even as I. In other words, unmarried. He said, that's good. He said, but. A lot of people are glad that's in there. <laughs> but what? If they cannot contain, then do what? Let them marry, for it's better to marry than to burn. And he's talking about burning with desire. And so it's an issue of, uh, especially, you know, as the years go by, and depending on what you're doing in ministry, Are you satisfied not being married? Do you not feel the need? Well, then be content. You could be content unmarried. But if you have a desire and uh, age matters not. Are you listening now? Age matters not. Go study Abraham's sexual life (laughs) sometime. You'll get some revelations. Of hundred plus activity. Um, Yeah the Amplified says. If they have not self control. Restrain of their passions. They should marry. For it's better to marry. Than to be aflame with passion. And tortured continually. With ungratified desire. So rather than going around. You know and satisfied all the time. Then sure it's okay to think about getting married. But he goes on to say later in the passage. Only in the Lord. Don't just grab the first person that'll have you. Right? 
No, you need to hear from God. There needs to be some leading on this. And of course, you know, the big issue there is the leading of the Lord. If you get it prayed through and, and get it satisfied in your heart and them too, and you don't rush into it. Man, I've seen some people, you think they'd know better than that. They're 50 years old or 70 years old or they know somebody three days and get married. Actually didn't know them. Right? Well, no. Uh-uh. Someone said, well, we're getting old. We ain't got much time. You have some time to be miserable, I guess. So, no, no, no. Did you have something else, sir? I'm be quiet Before we now. move on, this one talks about if you're the head of the house, you tell the kids it's bedtime, your wife won't back you up, the kids get back up out of bed. What do you do? Is that complicated? No. But again, should people be able to talk about this? Rather than just have problems month after month and year after year, should be able to talk about it. And husbands are not uh, dominant tyrants and are not trying to make the wife do things. But at the same time, the Bible did say the man was supposed to be the head of the house. And if after seeking God about it, and them talking, and he gets settled in something, should his wife back him on it? Yeah. And should the parents be united dealing with their children always? Right? And if you disagree with something, you don't do it in front of the kids, right? I mean, you deal with it, and then you go talk, right? And get it settled, and you don't try to work it out in front of the kids. We know that. I've seen also a lot of times, um, we've just recently been doing a lot of studying about raising kids. We had a, a meeting on it a few Saturdays ago here at the church. But um, I've seen a lot, and I use that word very strongly, a lot of women that were not satisfied with their husband and they used their kids to rebel against their husband. You know what I'm talking about? They won't actually rebel, but they'll do it through the kids. Well, they don't want to go to bed right now. Well, you really don't want them to go to bed right now, so you're going to give in through the kids, and so it's going to be the kids' fault. And uh, that really paints a bad picture for the kids because then they see that you're using them. I've seen it so many times. Well, the kids, we got to take care of the kids, or we got to do this, and use the kids for an excuse for something you can't do or you don't want to do. Uh, use the kids back to the sex thing. Use the kids not to have sex. You know, use the kids for everything, you know, and uh, the whole situation with this is totally unsubmissive. I mean, the wife is not submitting to her husband, and like it says in Ephesians 5.22, the wife is supposed to submit. It's dishonest. Dishonest. You know, to and guys do the same kind of thing. They'll use their work or use something else to not have to deal with something. And uh, there's a lot of guys that always, you know, Always playing golf, always fishing, always working late because they don't want to go home. I know of people like that. They don't want to deal with uh, their marriage. They got <laughs> problems and they just don't want to deal with it. So they just stay away as much as they can and use stuff as a guise. How many understand that is dishonesty and it is shirking your responsibilities? Should people be able to talk? Yes. You got to. Because now one thing with the children, men, you see it again and again. People think, well, you know, I despise her and she despises me and we don't have any feelings for each other, but we've got to stay together for these kids. And so, you know, they put on a front 
And then they look up one day and they're 12 year old. They see some of the same stuff in them uh, that they thought they hid all these years is coming out in them multiplied. And they think, why? How? We never, they never saw that. Friend, these things you don't even have to see. They're spiritual. And the only way to keep from getting them in your kids is to get them out of you. That's the only, you can't hide it. It'll show up one day. It'll get in there. And so uh, you you cannot you can say so, well I, you know I may be a lousy dad but uh, a lousy husband but I'm a good dad cannot be. I may be a lousy wife but I'm a good mama. I'm sorry that doesn't work because such a big part of parenthood is giving the example of these children to see what a man's supposed to be, what a husband is supposed to be, and how you treat your wife is how that boy learns how to treat his wife. How you treat your husband is how that girl learns how to treat her husband. Right? I mean, there is no evading these things and saying, well, you know, I provide a good home for them and da-da-da-da and I can't stand their mama, but, you know, we'll live together and we'll make it work. That doesn't cut it. If y'all have to fast three days and stay up all night and talk and pray and quote scriptures to each other, get it fixed. Do what you got to do, if not for your sake, for the kid's sake. Do what you got to do. Speaking of the kids, you know, us not having kids, sometimes you would think, well, they don't know what they're talking about. But we probably dealt with more kids' situation than probably a lot of the people in the room here. And some of the things that we've dealt with, even since we've started the church, is um, the his kids and the her kids situation. And uh, he wants to do for his kids and uh, spend money on his kids and do things for his kids. And his kids come before me and his kids come, you know, before anything in my life. And they're always first and they always get everything are the same way. Her kids. I'm third rate to her kids, you know. And when you get married, there is no one more important, not your kids from your first marriage, not your kids from your 12th marriage, not your kids from your current marriage. That's more important than your spouse. Never, ever, ever, ever is it okay to pay more attention to your kids than to your spouse. That's right. So uh, That's right. there's been questions even here in the church about, well, they put their kids first or they want me to put my stepkids or they want to go to see their family on that side or this or take them to their grandparents on that side. We've dealt with all of it. It's not okay that if the husband disagrees that you just load up the kids and say, well, they're my kids. We're going to see their grandparents and take off and go there. You know, that's not an okay thing. You know, if you're going to be married to that person, it's imperative that you respect the place of that person person. It's imperative that you give them the place, whether it's the wife or the husband. If she's your wife, you chose to marry her no matter if you had kids or not. You know, so you have got to respect that you've accepted her as your wife and she gets that place, you know, and not those kids get that place. And uh, I don't care how important those kids are to you, you know, and I've seen it over and over again. I've seen the people that are married to someone else. The other spouse, they still care a little bit about them. So they use the kids for an excuse to be around their ex-spouse. And um, that's not good. That's yeah. stinky. We've seen you know, that. And uh, it's really a bad thing. And mm. uh, you chose to, we asked this a couple of times already, you chose to marry that person. Nobody held you at gunpoint, you know, so uh, you got to do what the word says about it. And the kids do not, I, I am on the internet and I probably could be everywhere around. The, the kids do not come before the husband. Thank you. Uh, they don't. Now listen, this is not just a, if it's true, it's true through the whole body and through the whole word. Your family does not come first. Did you hear me now? God comes first. Not your family. 
And uh, that's an application of what she's talking about. There's another thing. Oh, Lord, bring that back to my remembrance, please. I had it, and then I looked at somebody. They were that ugly? No, no, they were... They were fine. I just don't know if they were happy with all that. Um, Phyllis, if you got anything else on your heart about this. One thing that uh, I was reminded of, people ask the questions about, well, you know, so-and-so, my husband, he has a woman friend. And, I mean, they're not, in, you know, involved physically, but they're really close, and they spend a lot of time together, and they talk together, or... Uh, I feel like that they're closer to them in some ways than, than we are. And you hear the same thing. Well, uh, my wife, you know, has a male friend. Of course, they're just friends, you know, nothing off color, nothing. Uh, but, you know, they spend a lot of time. And I feel like that they talk, you know, he'll share things with them that they don't share with me. And what should I do about that? Well, you should tell them that's not okay. Amen. Did you hear me? You do not have, as a man, you do not have a woman friend that you sit and tell your dreams to and your vision and what's important to you and your heart and you talk, you know, about the problems that you have with your wife. Absolutely not okay. Ever. Did you hear me? Yeah, but they're my friend. Yeah, and I have seen so many affairs that that's just how they started. It's not okay. And it's not okay the other way around, you know. What about a friend of the opposite sex? No, no. You're married now. That's different. Right? From being a single person. So no hanging out at the coffee place, no hanging out at the restaurant and chatting with your friend of the opposite sex for four hours, and it's okay. It is not okay. So aren't there exceptions? No. Uh-uh. Not to that. That's not okay. It's not okay even, I'll add to it a little bit, it's not okay even for two women to do that all the time. It's not okay for you to share your dreams and no, hopes and visions with another woman like that. I mean, I don't sit down with any other soul in the whole wide world but my husband. He's my best friend. And if I have a dream or a vision or something's going on in my life or something God's dealt with me about or I'm upset about something or I'm hurt about something or I'm frustrated about something, I don't go pick up the phone and call my mother and say, Mama, you know what? I'm having a hard time with this, you know, or uh, I don't call my sister and tell her as much as I love both my sisters. They don't know what's going on in my life and the only person that knows what's going on in my life is my husband and I don't share my intimate thoughts and dreams and hopes and visions and things God shared with me with any other soul but my husband and I don't care if it's another man or another woman who it is you don't share that part of your life with another being well I mean you can have friends yes and you can talk about stuff but you don't talk about your personal life and your marriage with other people and specifically any problems. It's not okay. And people now, do you understand people do this all the time? They do it all the time. They just go and cry on their friends or their sisters or mama or daddy's shoulder and tell them all about what their husband didn't do, or their wife didn't do, and I just don't know what I'm going to do. That is unfaithful. Yes, it is. That's betraying that person's confidence. 
And not only does it do that, it magnifies the problem. It does. The more you talk about the problem, the bigger it's going to get. And then it opens the door for them to give you bad counsel too. Like go get a lawyer and sue the... Yeah, because a lot of times they're your friend. That's why you're going to them anyway. They're more your friend than they are their friend. And what you're looking for, your flesh is looking for somebody to take your side and tell you that you're right. That's right. And it's all just ungodly and fleshly. It's not right. So don't do it. No, some say, well, I don't know if I can talk to them, and I've got nobody I can talk to. You're forgetting somebody very important. You can go to God. Is that right? And you cast all your care over on your best friend and your bud. No, no, on Him. That's right. Cast it on Him. Right? And oh, you'll save yourself. Because, you know, don't raise any hands now, but how many times people, they went back to the house or whatever, and they got things worked out, and now they feel bad that they told that other person all that stuff, and they hope they don't bring it out at the wrong time. That's right. Hmm? That's because you sinned. Are you listening now? Yes. You were unfaithful, and you sinned. We have to be guarded with our souls. I, you know, I have not had to overcome affairs with other women uh, since I've been with Phyllis and been in the ministry, not one time. And I thank God for that, the grace of God. But one reason that we haven't had to do that or deal with it or overcome it is because we stopped it at the door. Anybody know what I'm talking about now? You stop it before it ever gets rolling. I know uh, when Phyllis was working so much in the offices when I was in school and and I'm there at the office all the time. I had ladies come to me uh, more than once wanting to pray. Let's pray together. Because I really really got something on my heart and I just feel like that you're the only one that can help me pray this through. We even had a lady tell you she'd give you millions of dollars if you'd pray with her. Yeah, that they were going to give a bunch of money to the ministry. Really pay everything off. But wanted to meet with me at a hotel. And talk about a lot of important stuff. (laughs) Well, uh, I don't have to pray about that. Now, y'all are laughing, but do you know how many people have done stuff and got in trouble? Right? And there's been so many times that somebody, no, I was the only one. They got to talk to me, and I could just tell the way the letter sounded. I could tell the way the note sounded. No, no, you talk to Phyllis. Right? She has the Holy Ghost, right? You talk to one of our other guys. Well, no, i got to talk to you. No, I'm not God. I'm not God, right? And, uh, you know, there's been times you could tell. That you, if you'll be honest with yourself, you can tell when the look is a little too long, they get too close, they say that phrase is really not appropriate. Well, you can try to kid other people, but you don't kid God. He knows you made a decision to keep going. And it might have taken months, or it might have taken a year or two or three or five. But two Christians do not just look at each other and go, let's commit adultery. 
right now. Sure, why not? Huh? How many know that that don't happen? That don't happen among sinners that's married. They don't just look at each other and go, yeah, let's do it. What happens is people are loose with their soul before they're loose with their body. Are you with me now? There are different rooms in your heart and in your soul, just like in your house. And like Phyllis was saying, you know, certain things she didn't discuss with anybody except me. I'm the same way. You know, things about our life and our marriage, I don't discuss with anybody. Nobody. Her. God. Her. That's it. And um, there are places in your heart, just like people. There are certain people, they knock on the door, and you don't even open the door. Right? You just go, you can just set it down right there. That's good. You tell them through the door, is that right? Well, see, that's all the place they have in your life. And then there's other people. You meet them and open the door and say, come on in, sit down at the front room. And talk, and you're polite, and they leave. Right? And there's other people. You take them on back in the kitchen. Right? And you... Make a sandwich and sit on, you know, sit on the stool at the bar or something and you talk and you, but who do you take back to the bedroom? Just one. Is that right? Just one. And so your soul is that way. And you've got to realize that when you are being loose with your soul, when you are letting people into places in your soul and you are talking about things that you should only be talking about with your spouse. If you don't let that happen, then you're not going to get in the bed. That's right. Not happening. Do you hear this, friends, now? And the thing is, you've got to be honest with yourself. If you're attracted to somebody... That's the person you don't hang around. Right? If there's a lot of pull and a lot of thoughts, that's a person you can't even be around. And you've got to be honest with yourself. There's some people that you can tell. I used to tell some of the young ladies in our class at Raymond, you know, they were, I used to tell them, and the guys too, I said, there's some people you can't even be nice to. Because they will twist it into something. Hmm? Are y'all with me so far? Go to Titus. I think I can close with this, but go to Titus. Titus, the first chapter. Titus 1.15. Unto the pure, what? All things are pure. But of them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. Even their mind and their conscience is defiled. I've been hugged by ladies before. And it was absolutely not one thing unclean or impure in it. And then there's been other people that took my hand. And that was more than I wanted. You understand what I'm talking about? Shaking a hand. And you do not need to kid yourself about this kind of thing. You have a check about something, something bothers you about somebody, trust 
what you get on the inside. You trust it. Right? And you stay clear of it. You just stay away with it. And you just won't ever have any trouble. Because you never let them through the door. I'm understanding if you don't open the door. How can you get to the bedroom? Right? They never get in the front room. How can you get to the back room? So uh, don't be loose with your soul. Don't open your heart and talk to people and let them into places in your life solically and emotionally that only your spouse should have access to. Do you have anything else? That's it. Stand on your feet then. I'll read this to you and we'll close. He said, love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. It doesn't vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave itself unseemly or improperly. It doesn't seek its own. It's not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.